says someone must have enough sense to cut off this ongoing hatred and the retaliation for evil. Sadly, we don't have enough sense. We must confess the times where, as Christian husbands and wives, we fought against one another. As Christian believers in the family of God, we did not live in harmony, but strove against one another. Except what Peter says here is, God has changed all that. God stepped in. God put an end to the spiral of hate and evil begetting evil. God called us out of that endless spiral that leads to death and to hell of hatred and evil for evil. And he brought us to harmony. Harmony with himself. Harmony with one another as husbands and wives in a Christian family. And harmony with one another in the church and among fellow believers. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. July 10th, 2022. 1 Peter 3, 1-12 Martin Luther King Jr. once said, Violence begets violence. Hate begets hate. And you know what? He, he understood the human condition, that there's this ongoing spiral of payback that happens when, when someone insults someone or hurts someone, that the other person wants to fight back with vengeance or to harm those who harm them. Maybe you know how that is. How, how often have you, when someone did something to hurt you, want to hurt them back or, or turn against them? But today, as we continue our series looking at 1 Peter, we are reminded how, as God's people, we have been called to a whole different way of life. As foreigners in this world, we stand out with a whole new way of living. Peter says in chapter 3, Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. How is this done? Well, today we'll consider that as we look at the first half of chapter 3 of 1 Peter. We see how we live in harmony with each other. Peter has already addressed the life of harmony for those who are living under authority. Now he addresses the Christian home. And just as those who are living under authority in this world live as strangers and foreigners, not like this world, it's the same way for those who are Christian husbands and wives and for all believers. So Peter starts here by, in chapter 3, addressing Christian wives. And what he mentions here is something that is very counter-cultural. Wives, submit to yourselves to your own husbands. The word here for submit means to yield. That's rather than to contend against or, or fight against or argue with, to be one. And to be one, someone has to be the head and the other must also yield when decisions and matters are decided. So wives are called to yield, submit to their husbands. And this isn't some inferior position. Don't misunderstand. God established this at creation. Woman was taken and made, created from the side of man, to show that they are one, that they are equal, both made in the image of God. And yet God made Eve to be a helper for Adam, the head. Different roles, but the same value and worth before God. And so Christians, Christian wives are instructed here, submit to your husbands. And Peter goes to say that 
That submission is even for those husbands who might be godless. No, Peter's not saying we should go against God's word, but according to God's word, he says, Christian wives, submit to your husbands, even if they don't believe. Perhaps those who don't believe might be won over, he says, by their behavior. They'll see the purity and reverence of their lives. When God established marriage, he made a perfect marriage of one where Adam and Eve could, could always love, respect, honor, and get along, but that was ruined by sin. Sin made it that man and woman contend, that when one spouse does one thing, another argues and fights back, and they are at odds. And that spiral of insult and hate continues even in what should be the closest relationship in marriage. But Peter instructs Christian woman, submit to your husbands. Let them be the head, respect their headship. Could you imagine in the ancient world if when a, a man had his wife come to faith and became a Christian, suddenly she no longer wanted to talk to, connect with, or even be with her husband? How would that have done for convincing them to listen to the word of God? Conversely, imagine in the ancient Asia Minor world if those men saw their wives come to faith and their wives continued to love their husbands, continued to respect and honor them, and wanted to submit and yield in a loving way because of their purity and reverence for God. Imagine how many husbands would want to hear more about their faith. The same way today. Peter tells Christian women, yield. Submit to your husbands. Do it as they'll see the reverence and purity of your life. You know, this is a hard world for many people to hear that word submit, but within this context, it is our calling in Christ. Peter goes on to describe for Christian women how they are to find value in this world. So often this world finds value in, in outward things, in appearances. And even those who contend for so-called women's rights will allow men to degrade women and objectify their bodies. And they'll portray that women are truly beautiful when they present themselves outwardly as beautiful. It's actually pretty sad when you hear complaints, it was happening about a year ago, that on a major social media platform, some women were noticing their, their face was being altered. That means technology has the ability to filter their face and to make it look like the, the same as the standard of beauty of the world around them. And they were shocked to find out they had no way of changing this, this filter on the social media platform that was altering their faces to a certain standard of beauty. Many of them mentioned how it, it made them uncomfortable, and I'm sure it destroyed the self-esteem of many young women. And think of all the, the pressures that intimidations that young women face today to meet a certain standard, to wear certain revealing clothing, and to have their beauty as an outward thing. They're intimidated into this, pressured. But Peter tells us, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles, the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Peter's not saying it's wrong to have fine clothes or jewelry. But it is wrong to make those your source of beauty. And before you think Peter is establishing some sort of divinely mandated dress code here, he's not interested so much in outer beauty. He's saying, forget the standards of outer beauty. He says, rather, your beauty should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. 
You know, the, the gentle spirit describes what Christ was when he came to this world, humble and gentle, coming not as a terror or as those saw him that he would pay back insult, but no, gentle and humble. Peter says, that, that's true inner beauty. Woman, don't look for the outer beauty. Look for this. And the word quiet spirit is what all godly people should attain after. As filled with the Holy Spirit, they do not seek to argue or to fight, but rather put themselves under others in loving, kindness, gentleness, and compassion. And though the world might say the, the costly golding, clothing or the jewelry are valuable, Peter reminds us this, the, the gentle, humble spirit, the, the quiet spirit, this is of great worth in God's sight. God places great value on that. Shouldn't we? Christian wives, Peter is saying, don't fight with, don't argue, don't cause division, but rather put on the humility of Christ. Submit to your husbands. Show them Christ-like reverence and love. And then some people at this point might say, well, Peter's clearly just talking to the culture of his day. And in ancient Asia Minor, in the ancient world, that, that's what one woman had to do. But God doesn't call on us today to do that, does he? Peter's not just talking about the culture of his world. Still today, Christian women are foreigners and exiles in the world. They will stand out. And Peter also speaks of a far different woman who lived 2,000 years before his time in a far different culture. He says, This is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They didn't just adorn themselves outwardly. They adorned their inner beauty. He says, They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Sarah who lived in a far different time and culture, is the model, the example for Christian woman throughout history and time. And Peter says, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. The intimidation, the fear that there is to conform to the pattern of this world, to the outward beauty, to allow men to objectify women. Peter says, don't give in to that. Be a daughter of Sarah with inner beauty, true, lasting, unfading beauty of great worth in God's sight. Next, Peter goes on to address Christian men. So often, men are the ones who propagate and who push for objectifying women, who try to force them into having an outward beauty as their real source of value. It's the men of this world who have pushed for and supported the sex trade and all the things that degrade women. It's the men of this world who have been cruel and harsh towards women. But Peter says, husbands, Christian husbands, you also, you're, you're foreigners, you're different from this world, live a different life. He says, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. The word here actually literally reads a weaker vessel, referring to a woman, woman's physical body. And certainly, Anyone who knows a woman who's gone through childbirth and raised a child knows they're, they're not unable to endure great things and have great perseverance and strength. And there are many weak men and strong women. But generally speaking, women are the weaker vessel. That's why people are upset today that there are biological men competing in female 
athletic competitions because those men are winning, winning all the competitions. It's just generally speaking, matter of truth, that men have more testosterone and men have greater physical strength than women. And any man who's married understands as well that their wife undergoes certain challenges because of the things related to the fact that they're a woman and they have the, been given the, the God-given ability to bear children. Everything that goes along with that brings regular struggles and challenges, disadvantages for women, which men simply don't have to face. Peter says, be considerate, treat them with respect. Simply because you're able to domineer and overpower and don't face the same disadvantages or challenges that women face, he says, still be respectful. And then Peter gives to men a second reason why they should be considerate and respectful, honoring of their wives. He says, treat them with respect as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Accord woman honor because God has accorded them the same honor as you. Christian husbands, your wife may have a, a different role in God's eyes as there is the established order of creation of head and helper, but she does not have a different status. As Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female when it comes to our position as part of the royal priesthood. Christian men, do you accord your wife honor as God honors her, as a co-heir, a partner in the inheritance of the gift of eternal life? After all, how can you husbands sit there at the dinner table here in this life and, and argue and contend against your wife when you know you'll be sitting at the table in heaven at the feast of our Lord and there between Christ and you will be your wife, who you now have as your wife, your Christian wife, your co-heir of salvation. God honors her. Do you? rightly respect and honor her the same. And finally, Peter gives a, a third and final reason to honor your wife. He says, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. How hard it is for a Christian husband to have family devotions or to have a prayer time with his wife if he doesn't honor her in the same way that God honors her. How hard it is for a Christian man to, to know that God will hear his prayers when God says, he won't hear your prayers if you don't listen and give consideration and accord honor to your wife. God takes this seriously. But Peter speaks to more than simply husbands and wives. He even speaks to more than siblings as he speaks next to all believers, all those who belong to the family of God. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, that is, live in harmony with each other. Be sympathetic love one another, be completely, be compassionate and humble. To be like-minded means to, like a symphony, to join in the chorus of believers as you contribute your part in love and humility, serving others, working together for the same purpose. Do you do that when you gather with fellow believers? Do you see them not as those who you contend against, but those who you always sing with in harmony? Be sympathetic. When you see that Christian who's struggling, does your heart go out to them? Or when you see that single Christian mother who's sitting in the pew behind you, 
Do you judge her and say, well, life is going to be difficult, she made mistakes? Or do you have sympathy and step up to help those who are in need? Love one another. The word here is have brotherly love. That is the familial love. The same love that you would give to one of your, your beloved siblings. Do you give that to your fellow believer? Would you say, I just don't have time for that. Would you do that to your own brother or sister? Treat your family of believers as you would your own household in love. Be compassionate. When you see someone in need, you might want to say, well, that's not my problem. But we have a new calling to consider with compassion the needs of others and humble. God doesn't just call on woman to have a gentle spirit, but all believers in humility to live a Christ-like mindset adorned themselves with this garment of humility as they interact with those around them, putting others first, putting the needs of others first, not demanding their own rights and privileges. And finally, Peter says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. That is, don't look for payback. When someone harms you, when someone hurts you, what do you do? You know, that quote I mentioned by Martin Luther King continues, and he talks about the way that the spiral goes on between hate. He said, violence begets violence, hate begets hate, and toughness begets a greater toughness. It's all a descending spiral, and the end is destruction for everybody. Along the way of life, someone must have enough sense and morality to cut off the chain of hate. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. was right. This is an endless spiral. In fact, when he says someone must have enough sense to cut off this ongoing hatred and the retaliation for evil, sadly, we don't have enough sense. We must confess the times where, as Christian husbands and wives, we fought against one another. As Christian believers in the family of God, we did not live in harmony, but strove against one another, living senselessly. Except what Peter says here is, God has changed all that. God stepped in. God put an end to the spiral of hate and evil begetting evil. Peter says, to this you were called, that you may inherit a blessing. Do not repay evil with evil. Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called. God called us out of that endless spiral that leads to death and to hell of hatred and evil for evil. And he brought us to harmony. Harmony with himself and us. Harmony with one another as husbands and wives in a Christian family. And harmony with one another in the church and among fellow believers. God called us to this. And he did it as that one man that, that Martin Luther King Jr. knew about and trusted in. That one man that we trust in called us out of darkness by himself putting a stop to the hate. He did not repay evil with evil. Instead, he repaid it with blessing. Jesus, the Son of God, came to bring us harmony and peace. Peter says, seek peace and pursue it. That's what Jesus did. He sought peace as he came to this world. 
And to win that peace, he bore the insults, the evil and the hatred and put it to a stop at the cross. So that we, taking all of this evil, all of the payback, all of the vengeance, putting it at the foot of the cross, allow Christ to carry it. And he bore all of the evil and the sin, the division, the attacks, so we could be at harmony and at peace with God and with one another. And so that we might inherit a blessing, the gift of eternal life, the gift which man, woman, which every believer now possesses in Christ, to live a new life and to live in harmony with one another. Brothers and sisters, it can be easy to be stuck in that spiral, to continue to return evil for evil, but instead return blessing, blessing which you have received from God and to which you were called to live in and to share. As we follow Jesus, we go from cross to crown. And we see how as we travel this world from cross to crown, we are called also to live in harmony with each other until we find ourselves forever with our God, the family of believers in complete like-minded harmony and peace because of Jesus who sought peace for us, pursued it, and won it.